Ocean heat waves are acting like wildfires. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Heat waves bring to mind searing temperatures in cities, but according to a new study, they're also happening in the ocean with devastating effects. They're being compared to wildfires on the land, but instead of burning forests, they're killing ecosystems like coral reefs. Marine heat waves happen when ocean temperatures are warmer than usual for at least five days. The research published in the journal Nature Climate Change shows that temperature extremes are becoming more prolonged, severe, and frequent. From California to Australia to Spain, kelp forests, seagrass meadows, and coral reefs have been lost. These ecosystems are critical for providing shelter and food to numerous species. Dan Smale of the Marine Biological Association, who led the research, told The Guardian that you can see kelp and seagrasses dying in front of you, and they are gone from hundreds of kilometers of coastline within weeks or months. The heat waves are stressing oceans that are already affected by acidification, plastic pollution, and overfishing. Smale tells National Geographic that the loss of coral reefs, seagrass beds, and kelp forests will only add more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere because when they're gone, they'll no longer absorb CO2. Colorado has suffered a high number of avalanches this winter, closing major highways, burying cars, rupturing gas lines, and forcing ski areas to close. During the first week of March, there were nearly 150 slides. According to the Colorado Avalanche Information Center, seven people have been killed this season. Experts are saying extreme avalanches are among the accelerating effects of climate change because of more moisture in a warmer atmosphere that can create heavier snowfalls and collapse snow layers causing them to slide. Inside Climate News reports, the avalanche activity has been fueled by the powerful atmospheric river from the Pacific Ocean, which brought severe storms to the west. Scott Topper with the Colorado Avalanche Information Center said that he's worried that global warming will fuel super snowstorms that could produce larger and more unpredictable avalanches. He added that winter and spring are warming faster than other seasons, creating more risk for slow-moving but grinding wet snow no avalanches, which are an under-researched event. A report from NOAA last week revealed that the last three months were the wettest on record for the contiguous United States and were also ranked among the hottest winters. California was hard hit with heavy snows in the mountains and flooding at lower elevations. With all that precipitation, one might think that the risk of wildfires would be less, but that may not be the case. A study came out last week that showed wet winters no longer mean fewer wildfires in California. The research shows that for 300 years ending about 1900, the severity of the fire season was linked to the amount of precipitation during the winter. But after 1900, that link weakened and was gone altogether after 1977. In a release from the University of Arizona, the scientists say that the fuel buildup from decades of fire suppression last century, plus rising temperatures from climate change, means that any year might have large fires, no matter how wet the previous winter. For example, there were many large wildfires in 2017, including the Tubbs Fire in October and the Thomas Fire in December, both of which followed a wet winter. 
In Australia, everyone must vote. It's compulsory. If you don't vote, you can be fined up to about 60 US dollars. So it's not surprising that about 90% of eligible citizens turn out down under. The next federal election is occurring this spring, and climate change and the environment may be the deciding factors. That's because every part of the continent has experienced severe weather events in recent months. Australia has just had its hottest summer, with some areas experiencing serious bushfires and drought, but other regions having damaging floods. According to The Guardian, polling suggests that Australians see the extreme events as linked to climate change, and they see reduction of greenhouse gas emissions as a priority. Axios reports that Australia is currently the world's largest exporter of coal, measured by value, and also exports the most natural gas. The Labour Party, like the left wing of the Democratic Party in the U.S., is promising to roughly double reductions of greenhouse gas emissions and double its renewable energy target. The Labour Party is also opposed to the development of new coal mines or the expansion of old ones. The mood of voters is being noticed by the two-party coalition, similar to the Republicans in the U.S. who are currently in power. The coalition has recently pivoted to more centrist environmental views to improve energy efficiency and increase hydropower. And finally, the air pollution in Seoul, South Korea is bad, dangerously bad. Al Jazeera reports that recently particulate levels were four times higher than what the World Health Organization regards as healthy. Officials have responded by limiting the number of cars on the road and trying to reduce pollutants from construction sites and power stations. South Korean President Moon Jae-in is taking the matter to the next level. In addition to moving to retire old coal-burning power plants, he wants to rinse the skies of all that dirt by making it rain. The country wants to to use cloud seeding to clean its air. It tried and failed back in January, so now it's seeking China's help since their neighbor to the West is much more advanced with the technology and because Korea blames Chinese deserts and factories for worsening its air quality. Cloud seeding involves shooting silver iodide into clouds to start the formation of ice crystals that will turn into snowflakes or raindrops depending on the temperature. The plan is to seed clouds over the Yellow Sea, which separates the two countries, something that China might agree to since it claims South Korea's dust floats over Shanghai. That's it for This Week in Water. We'll see you next time. This Week in Water is sponsored by the American Waterworks Association. Explore new trends in technology at ACE19, June 9th through 12th in Denver. Learn more at awwaace.org.